Off. Am I on now? Is that better? All right, good. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, just for a moment to the book of Exodus, chapter number 14. Exodus, chapter number 14. And uh, like we just announced, everybody gets $1,000 who was on time tonight. $1,000 just for being in the service. And No, I'm just kidding. Uh, about 10 of you said, we were here on time. And so Exodus, chapter number 14 this evening. And if you do stay after the meal, and uh, someone's already told me, there's sandwiches, there is uh, homemade treats, there is homemade gillum lumpia that is here tonight. I'll probably be tiptoeing into the fellowship hall during the closing prayer. And so, uh, so it'll, uh, it'll be worth staying and fellowshipping. Plus, the drunks have just come out. They're, they're weaving up and down the streets for the next four hours. It's not safe out there. You won't want to go. And uh, so anyway, Exodus chapter number 14. Let's look down here. Exodus 14, one, one verse. This is our theme verse for the year. Uh, Moses has led the children of Israel. Uh, that means the descendants of Jacob. Now they're in the hundreds of thousands. We think maybe a million and a half. He is leading them. He did not volunteer for this. God called him to lead them out of bondage in Egypt to a better life, to the promised land, Canaan or modern day Israel. How did he do that? He pried them away and he got uh, Pharaoh's hand pried loose by the 10 plagues. Let's name them quickly here. Someone help me name them. Okay. Flies, hail, frogs, darkness. Blood, politicians. What was that? No, I'm sorry. What was it? Lice, locusts, cattle. Cattle had the murrain, whatever that was. Uh, yeah. Okay. Death of the firstborn. So that's ten, I think. Maybe I cheated, but that's pretty good. And so it was all of those plagues, and the very last straw was the death of the firstborn. And it's it's interesting how it was. In fact. The entire, the entire story is symbolism for the Christian life. It's wonderful symbolism. So before we get saved, we have a terrible taskmaster, a Pharaoh who hates us, wants to use us, beat on us. Uh, we're, just, we're just a tool of his. Satan is symbolized as Pharaoh. We're the slaves that are in bondage to sin. We have no freedom of our own. Uh, no one loves us. Uh, we're just, you, no one knows we exist. We're just a number. We're just a slave until God called a Moses, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, reaching out for us, saying, let my people go. He wooed us. He pulled on us. He invited us to come. Would you come? And of course, it was the blood on the doorpost, a symbol of Jesus' blood shed for us. By the way, Strong statement, Jesus' blood is not enough to save anybody unless they apply it. So that blood of the lamb had to be applied on their door. It wasn't enough the lamb died. They had to take the blood and apply it to the doorpost, each side and the top, top for the blood on Jesus' head with the crown of thorns, the side post uh, with each hand, and that's how we get saved. Jesus dying for us is not enough. We must personally, individually apply it. He died 
for me. He died for me. And so they applied it. And then I love this part. They, they, they told the, the citizens of Egypt, we're going to have a feast with the Lord in the wilderness, so we need some nice clothes. You don't go to a nice feast in old slave clothes. So they started loaning them, and I'm just imagining their minks, their fox coats, their nice gentlemen quarterly suits, name brand dress shoes. That, oh, that's not enough. We need rings on each hand to really look nice. We need jewelry. We need nice bracelets. We need uh, some real, uh, real nice earrings. And so they started borrowing the gold and silver and precious stones from all these Egyptians. And the Bible says, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Spoiled mean, means they took their nice stuff. You say, why would Israel need all these nice things? Don't forget, the next chapters, Moses says, we need an offering. We're building a tabernacle. And we need gold. We need precious stones for the high priest's garment. Uh, we need the gold for the uh, miter or the head. Uh, we need uh, gold melted down for the poles and, and silver for the tabernacle. They needed all that. God gave it to them. Then they were able to give it right back for God's work. Same thing he does to us. God gives us, and then we're to give back to his work. Just a thought. Okay, so much for that. So finally, they head out. Notice, please, chapter 14, verse 15. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. They go forward. What's about to take place? God's about to part the Red Sea. You know the story. So quickly here, let's notice how it goes. Several introductory uh, thoughts. Number one, God's, God's detours are best for us. Look in chapter 13, verse 17. So they're about to cross the Red Sea. And notice it says, instead of, uh, here it is, uh, 13, 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. In other words, what God's saying is, God did not bring them in a straight line straight toward the promised land. He says, that would have been the shortest route, but I knew they may be, be fearful and they could run right back. Sometimes God's detours in life are best for us because God knows how fearful we get. You say, well, how come the Lord took me through this? And, and what's this all about? Uh, sometimes his detours are better than your roadmaps. And so right here, he said, here's the reason I did. I didn't want them fearful. I didn't want them to go back. Secondly, we see it was not just the destination. It was all about a journey. You know, for each of us that are saved, God could have saved us and one minute later just took us to heaven. Save, heaven, save, heaven, save. Why does he let us stay here? There's a journey. There's getting to know him. There's getting to know other Christians that we're going to spend eternity with. And we see in chapter number uh, 13 and verse 20, it says, And they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. The journey. 
I love that song, since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls. I like uh, 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 those, uh, those, I am bound for the kingdom, I'm bound for the promised land. It's all about a journey. Uh, number three, quickly here, the Bible and the Holy Spirit are always our guides. In chapter 13 and verse 21, so they're leaving uh, Egypt and they're heading through this sandy wilderness toward the Red Sea, 1321, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day or night. So let me just encourage you, as, as the new year begins, you're gonna need leading, all of us do. I love that song, He Leadeth Me, He Leadeth Me by His Own Hand. He Leadeth Me, He Leadeth Me. And it just keeps repeating, but we all need leading. There's going to be some areas that we've never gone through before. There's going to be some trials we've never faced. There's going to be some valleys we've never uh, uh, climbed down in. There's going to be some mountaintops that we've never climbed. Uh, Let me just encourage you, He'll lead you. Uh, His light of the word of God, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. He will shine light on where you're supposed to step. Well, what am I supposed to do? You don't have to know that now. He'll lighten and brighten your path. That's the will of God. Every step, stepping in the light, the old hymn says, stepping in the light and he will guide you. The Holy Spirit inside of your heart will illuminate. He will impress you this year. Purchases, friendships, direction, uh, a vocation, college. Uh, Mar- oh, by the way, in, uh, time out here. We had someone get engaged yesterday. Someone, a member of our church got engaged. Just want you to know that. Okay, so let's keep going here. So we see a little bit further on here. Uh, it was Elijah Uribe. He's been uh, dating a girl in Texas. And so I saw the picture and he's, and he's so quiet when he's around me. But I saw the picture. The whole family was there. All her relatives were there. And I guess they were taking family pictures. And then she turned around. He's on his knee. He, she's got flowers and he's proposing. And then she slapped the fire out of him. He tumbled down a set of stairs. The ring fell into the river. And I don't remember what else happened. So, so, so he'll be getting married, I think, this summer. But uh, that's exciting. So what's God saying to us? Go forward. So now now Israel is at the Red Sea. And so here it is. They've left uh, left Egypt. Pharaoh has let us go. You know, we got freedom. Here we go. We're heading to the promised land. Now Pharaoh changes his mind. He says, what in the world was I thinking? Free labor, free slaves, and I have now let them go. His heart gets hardened. You'll see a theme in the life of Pharaoh throughout the Bible. It says, and God hardened his heart. And God hardened his heart. And God hardened his heart. Basically, it means this. God allowed his heart to be hardened because he disobeyed God. So every time we disobey the Lord, our heart gets hardened. Our heart gets hardened. Soon our face gets hardened and our life gets hardened and life gets hard. And so he said, I'm going to get those slaves. So he takes 600 of his chariots. He chases after them. Now the slaves, and remember this, they're not trained in self-defense. 
They're slaves. They don't have clubs. They don't have spears. They don't have bows and arrows. Uh, they don't have military uh, things. They don't have dynamite. They have no way to defend themselves. It's elderly down to little children. Now they're at the Red Sea. They look behind them. Here comes Pharaoh's armies. They're trapped. And then God lets that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud at night come down and it gets real dark. Fog sets in. Isn't God smart? Fog sets in where Pharaoh's army couldn't travel. You ever been driving in a car, maybe into a certain town and, and fog came in? It's like, I can't even see, like five feet in front of the car. Well, that's how it was. So they just stopped. And then God decided to open that Red Sea. Moses lifts his rod. God says, go forward. God uh, said, Moses, lift your rod. Moses does something with that rod. And then the sea part, you say, Pastor, you think that really happened? A strong wind came in blue and parted that sea. You check it out. You can Google it. You can uh, uh, go to the area. They have researched that area where they supposedly crossed the Red Sea. The Red Sea there is 2,000 feet deep. I can't imagine the elderly in their 90s and 100s going 2,000 feet down these rocky uh, rocks, 2,000 feet to come up the other side. Well, God's pretty smart. In the book of Psalms, it said he makes his way. He made a way in the sea. There's one little uh, narrow, uh, sandy area that's only 60 feet deep. And it went right through the middle of the sea. 2,000 feet deep here, 2,000 feet deep here. And when God parted that sea, that was their path. God says, a little sidewalk for my people. You say, well, how do you know all this happened? And then the water came and smashed them and drowned all of Pharaoh's army. They've excavated there. You know what they have found 60 feet deep in that path? They have found wagon wheels that are now fossilized. They have found horse hoofs from the drowned horses just happened to be in that path. How come? Because the Bible's true. The Bible's true if they find archaeology or not. The Bible's always true. And I love what Moses says. The Lord shall fight for you. Chapter 14, verse 14. God says, go forward. Verse 16. But lift thou up thy rod. Go forward to the next level. Go forward to the other side of the Red Sea. Go forward to where the milk and honey are. Go forward from failure to success. Go forward from bondage to freedom. Go uh, forward uh, uh, past failures. Uh, the disciples went forward after Jesus ascended. Uh, the disciples went forward after John the Baptist was martyred. David went forward after his sin with Bathsheba and he got right with the Lord. Joshua went forward after his defeat in battle. Elijah went forward. Uh, Elisha did after his loved one went to heaven. We just have to keep going forward. Let me just say this. It is easy to live life looking in the rearview mirror. It is so easy in life to say, I should have done that. And I wish I would have done that. And man, here's what I really should have done. You know, 2020, uh, 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 hindsight's always 2020. And if you keep looking in the back mirrors, you're going to wreck your life. I heard, I remember when Terry Guzman was here, he helped train our drivers. He said, most accidents take place backing up. 
Did you hear about that lady? She was expecting twins. She was at the checkout counter and a little boy was with his dad. They were shopping and someone's cell phone went off. Beep, beep, beep. He said, watch out, mom, dad. She's backing up. And so anyway, so, but most accidents occur backing up, backing up. It's time to go forward this year. Hey, well, in 2023, I probably should have. Hey, you probably should have, but it's already gone. Now you got 2024, tear the page off and say, here's what I'm planning on this year. By God's grace, here's what we're going to do. Go forward. Go forward. What could have been? Quickly here, look down in chapter 14 and verse number 10. If you're going to go forward, you cannot blame others or second guess your decisions. Look at this. In fearful times, 14 verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. They walked by sight, not by faith. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. It's interesting. They're crying out, God, help us. And then they're saying, we hate Moses. (laughs) And then they said unto Moses, behold, there were no graves in Egypt. I guess they cremated. Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Now, my thought is this. He didn't make you go. Isn't that interesting? We love Moses. He's taking us out of Egypt. Moses for president. Boy, they were all foreign. Three days later, it's, hey, why did you take us out of Egypt? We loved Egypt. Later on, they said, we love the onions. We loved it when they beat us. We love the garlic. We love being in bondage. I don't think so. Be careful blaming others. John Wooden said this, the great basketball coach from UCLA. He said, there's only one sure way to be a failure. He said, that's when you start blaming others for your dilemma. Dallas Cowboys barely squeaked by in their game the other night and they're blaming it on the refs and it was a bad call and it was kind of weird, weird things and two-point conversion, this and that. But I tell you this, if you live your whole life always blaming the refs, you're, you're never gonna have a successful life. Amen. And so there's Moses, uh, they're blaming him. So quickly, he says, says again in 1415, we're wrapping this up, he says, go forward. So the word go is a verb for you English majors. Forward is a direction. It's an action verb. Go. Go where? Forward. It's a descriptive word. David Livingston, great missionary, said, Anywhere provided it be forward. I love the song he wrote. Lord, send me anywhere, but only go with me. He was, he was talking about a direction. What's that mean? You have to do something. You got to move on. It's a place they'd never been. Unfamiliar. And then look down, if you will, please, in chapter 14, verse 23. Chapter 14 and verse number 23. Here's the miracle, and I love it. And the Egyptians pursued. This is after Israel went across on dry ground and went in after them, verse 23, in the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud. I like this and troubled the host of the Egyptians. What did God do? Verse 25, and took off their chariot wheels. 
Can you imagine 600 chariots driving? We're going to catch up. Hey, my, hey, I lost the wheel. Hey, I lost the wheel. I lost, and all the wheels are coming off the chariots. 1,200 wheels are spinning. Guess what they said? Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them. In chapter 16, verse 1, guess what they're doing now? 15, 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song. They go from, hey, you're to blame, Moses. Just a few little verses later, they're singing, Moses, praise God, let's sing together. Hey, we're safe on the other shore. And they saw the, 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 uh, the soldiers that beat them washing up drowned on the shore. All their enemies were killed and they sang a song. Say, how come? Because God does miracles only when we go forward. When we go back, no miracles. When we stay the same place, no miracles. When we go forward by faith, he commanded it, go forward. He says, I've got some miracles if you'll just go forward this year. And then you say, Pastor, so, so give us something real practical about this. Look over in chapter 15, verse 22. 15, 22, and this, this I think is so important for us. 15, 22. Three days journey. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out unto, into the wilderness of Shur. And I know if you doubt the Bible, you're probably saying, sure. <laughs> and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now let's find out. Uh, anybody ever go three days without water? I have. Uh, probably some of you have. Uh, maybe you were ill. Maybe in the hospital. Maybe you were on a fast or something. It's probably not healthy. But you can live. You can live 10 days without water. You can live at least 40 days without food. That's, uh, that's proven. But it says, they went three days in the wilderness, found no water. And when they came to Marah, that was the name of a place, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Anybody remember that name in the Bible? Remember, Naomi said, don't call me pleasant. Naomi called me Marah, because I am now bitter. She blamed God and says, I left home full and God hath brought me home again empty. I, I was full and because of God, I'm now empty. Hey, she had it all messed up. She was empty before she met God and then she came home full. That's how it should have been said. So they came to this place called Mara. In verse 24, and the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? They could not drink the water that was there. It was bitter. Something was wrong with it. Some mineral or something. I don't know what it was. It was probably Louisiana water. I don't know. But it, was, but it was bitter. They couldn't swallow it. You ever get to a situation in your life and you say, I just can't swallow this. I just can't swallow it. I cannot believe this is happening to me. I don't know if I can get through this. How in the world am I going to make it through this? When we were at Mrs. Sexton's husband's funeral about a week ago, I remember going through the line to hug her. In fact, uh, uh, what a sweet, sweet, sweet pastor's wife. She stood next to her husband's casket, then her sons, their wives, all the grandkids, then a couple of the key staff members here, I think the president of their college and several others here. She stood there for, I think, three hours 
and greeted every guest, hugged every one of them, looked them in the face, thanked them for coming, told them what they meant to her, then the next person. Then they had the funeral. Uh, Probably seven hours total, she stood next to that casket. When I came by, she just hugged me and she said, Mike, God did something for you that he didn't do for my husband. He let your wife come home. I was sure mine was coming home. But God had other plans. She's going through bitter waters. It it didn't work out the way we all prayed. You ever pray for God to heal someone and he didn't? You ever pray for God to turn something around and it just seemed like he didn't? So what can you do? Are you going to live at the bitter waters? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes kiddingly, I'll say, God forgot to do my will for his life. He didn't do what I told him. I love that song. It says his way can make you what you ought to be. And then up in heaven, you'll find out his way was greater than your way. They came to some bitter waters. Sometimes bitterness comes because of others in our lives. Our reaction to how they treated us. I'm not going to go into the story. I worked for Bubby Cannon. He canceled my snow trip for our teenager. You've heard the whole story. I could whine all night. It's my snow trip. He canceled it publicly. I could have gotten bitter. And according to the cross, I would have had no reason to get bitter. After all, Jesus has forgiven me. Before I moved here, our real estate agent, oh, I'll send you your your profit from your house. Well, she kept it. She kept our equity from our house. Because I let her have power of attorney because I knew I didn't have money to get back and sign the final papers. We prayed for a long time for that realtor. She was run over by a church bus. (laughs) Backed over her 17 times. They said they'd never seen a wreck like that. I'm just kidding. But for months, I had to work at that. I one step at a time, I had a printer in the Philippines who who had booths at uh, West Coast conferences and Brother Treber's conference and just all over. And a well-known Bible printer, not someone we support. He called me, he said, hey, we're making a big run and if you like some books printed, I give it to you for one-fourth the cost you usually pay. I said, this is great. I'll print you 500 sets of the one steps and your soul winning book and this and that. And so we'll need the money this week. It's $5,000. I scratched up everything I could find everywhere. I sent him everything I had, $5,000. He said, it'll take a month. After three months, I called. I said, how's it going? Well, we're having trouble finding paper. Okay. We're having trouble with the printing press. Six months. We're having trouble shipping the material. Pretty soon, I figured he lied to me. He took my money. 
Mark Smith used the same printer and he was flying down to, I believe it was Honduras. And they were presenting every one of the Congress with a leather Bible from this printer. He sent them paperback Bibles. He was supposed to hand a paperback $1 Bible to all the congressmen. He got ripped off too. You know, it took a while to get through some of those bitter waters. Then I bumped in, Brother Steve, I bumped into that printer at a conference in Lancaster. Hadn't seen him in years. He walked up to me, said, you know, I'm sorry about all that printing mix up. He said, but if you ever want something printed, give me a call. I said, you think I'm stupid or something? (laughs) It's going to be bitter waters. Betrayed. Rejected. Grief. You failed. Gossiped about. Someone misquoted you. Oh, I love this. Um, My daughter, Faith, I'm not going to embarrass her. She uses... This product is called Monet. Is that right? Uh, isn't that a famous painting? Who's that woman? No, who's the? Yeah, yeah, Monet Lisa. And I guess she started this 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 products or something. Anyway, but it's supposed to help the hair get thicker. So I don't know. I don't know if it's makeup. I think it's makeup, but it's shampoo too. So anyway, she bought this Monet. She's not a distributor. She don't sell it and this and that. So. One of her friends that's the distributor called her and said, so how do you like the product? And she said, oh, I love it. My husband loves the smell of my hair. She said, can I quote that when I, when I write an ad for my little company? She said, sure. So Eli, the pastor, loves the smell in face hair. So, about a month later, she's advertising, buy Monet from me, and I'm a distributor. And it said, Pastor Eli Reynolds loves to smell his hair. <laughs> that was the quote. Eli said, what? What in the, what? <laughs> I don't smell my hair. Sometimes there's people going to misquote you. Oh, yeah, you said, no, I never said that. Gossiped about, forgotten, unappreciated, used. You're going to have to get past the bitter waters. This year, I hate to tell you, you know, we talked this morning about getting past failure. If you're going to make it this year, you're going to have some bitter waters. Some from other people, some you may cause, some God may just let flow to you. Now, how do you respond to that? It's always how you respond. Notice what Moses did. Look at this. And it's right here in the Bible. I love it. Verse 25. And he cried unto the Lord. Pray about it. You going through the bitter waters? Tell it to Jesus alone. Don't telephone, telegraph, telebaptist. Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell him. I'm hurting. 
I don't like what someone said. I don't like what someone did. Lord, you took a loved one to heaven. How many more are you going to take? This is hard. It's, it's difficult for me. Tell him. Pour your heart out to the Lord. Number two, pay attention. You want to be paying attention to what God's telling you. You want to pay attention to what God's showing you. Notice what it says. He cried to the Lord, so he prayed. Second, and the Lord showed him a tree. So here's Moses. He is paying attention. He's going through these bitter waters. So what am I supposed to do? And all of a sudden, he didn't see it before. He notices this tree. So what's he supposed to do? Which, when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So guess what you have to do to go forward? You got to do something. Say, physical growth comes natural. You get born, you start drinking milk, start eating food, and you don't have to have a plan to grow physically. It just comes natural. But if you're going to grow spiritually this year, you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. And the plan is to, how do I go forward? Here's where I am. How am I going to get over here? How do I grow spiritually? How am I going to be a better soul winner? What am I going to do to be a better dad, a better wife this year, a better Christian, better church member, uh, uh, better physically? Uh, 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 what can I do? You're going to have to do something. You say, well, what was this tree? What's that tree all about? I've always said this, and I love the application. It was this family tree. Okay, let's just find out. How many of you would say real easily, if you looked up your family, like parents, grandparents, way back, for the most part, were not godly Bible practicing Christians. For the most part, just slip your hand up if you don't mind. Okay, so it's California. I get it. How many of you would say, oh, no, man, it was like four or five generations in the Bible, in church all the time. Slip that hand up. Okay, my wife's hand can go up because it was a lot of uh, some preachers in her family. Okay, Brother Bob can trace his family back to Brigham Young and all these other great, great Christians. <laughs> okay, Jessica and uh, Candy and Judy and some of you. And uh, so, so what's that mean? You can take your family tree in your bitter waters and say, look at this. We weren't even raised in church. My grandparents weren't, my parents weren't. We never even heard the gospel. But look what God did. He saved me out of that mess. You can throw your family tree into your bitter waters and say, look, look what God brought me out of. What a miracle. I think of Abdel Judah, the youth speaker, and I love that guy. His dad's a Muslim. Disowned him when he wouldn't go into business with him. Has written him off. I saw the other day, uh, Jamel Hamka, he was at the funeral. The guy's a multimillionaire, sells dogs. I said, can you send me a couple? Anyway, same thing with his dad. He's tried to win his dad on his deathbed. He said, son, we will not talk anything about this. It's how he was raised. And he's saved and serving the Lord in an independent Baptist church. It's the grace of God. Throw your family tree into your bitter water. Second, Throw the tree of Calvary into your bitter waters. No matter what you've been through, he's been through more. You cast the cross in, think about all of his sorrow and pain. He, 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 he passed it with flying colors. Now, let's finish with this. 
It says in verse number 27. And when they came to Elam, so they were in Marah. It says, and they came to Elam. So guess what they had to do? Go forward. They didn't stay in the bitter waters. They didn't stay there. Now, what was Elam? A little, a little oasis. Guess how far off? They estimate five to 10 miles. That's halfway to Yontville or all the way to Yontville. That's how far it was. Maybe because of some hills, they didn't see it. They had palm trees. They had water. And all they had to do was walk. Two to four hour walk. They were two to four hours to get out of their bitterness. Sometimes it doesn't take long if we'll throw the right trees in. Go forward. Elam is just right down the road. We don't have to stay in bitterness. This year when the bitter waters come, let's get past them. Let's throw the trees in and let's just keep going forward and let's not live there. And you'll be glad. The theme for 2024, go forward.